All right, uh, welcome again, and uh, happy second anniversary to our Encounter community. Uh, it's been a crazy two years. Uh, we planted in November 2019, and um, for me, it was an exciting time, a very uncertain time, very fearful with a lot of uh, you know fears that were ahead. Is this going to work? What's going to happen? And then in March 2020, just around four months after we planted, we have COVID. And uh, COVID was like all around the world. Uh, we had to shut down and from a community of around 25 adults at that time that just barely got to know each other, suddenly we're moved into the virtual space. And I could, uh, I could see my heart like just jumping and saying, God, what's going to happen? Within, I must be the fastest church plant that will just disappear, right? When it starts to, uh, because of COVID, our inability to move forward. But God has been faithful. We're here today where not, uh, we didn't just remain 25 adults, but over the course of this time, we've become 50, around 50 adults uh, that we have together right now. And I'm so blessed uh, to be here with you guys and to celebrate this day with you. I think this year, perhaps one of the things that I'm most grateful for, just because it's been hard to see each, other, each one of you guys in person, um, but just seeing your faces, <laughs> black screens, but I see your names, but just seeing your faces at this time, I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. I know it's been difficult. I've heard a lot of your stories. I know some of the hardships that you have went through. And I'm just grateful that you are here, that you kept continuing saying, I want a journey, I want to continue journey with God, and I want a journey with this community as well. You know, but before we go more into details about what we're celebrating together and what this vision is all about, I do have, though, a confession to make. You see, as we celebrate these two years, the confession I had to make is this. You know, in this past week, I found myself feeling very embarrassed. Very embarrassed about the way that was deep in my heart. I didn't want to admit it, but it's, it was there. Deep in my heart of the way I wanted to celebrate the second year anniversary. See, I started to look at numbers. I started to do what David does, counting, doing a census, how many people are here. Because when this church was first planted, I had my number chart. And before, when any, when any of this happened, my expectation was that by the second year, our numbers would be 120 adults. This is when I came to realize that Part of the problem that I was unconsciously setting in my own heart as a measure of success or as a measure of what we celebrate together as a community was basically how many people can I gather together under a charismatic leader? How many people can I gather together under a single leader and allow faith or this expression of faith to happen around this Sunday meeting? The irony of all of this was this, is that the whole reason why this church was planted and where God led me out of my old place and to plant this church was the opposite of what this kind of hidden desire was. He was revealing to me 
that why is faith so isolated for most of the people? And why are you as a pastor trying to raise up people of faith, but limiting it to the church space where, where you're indirectly training people to get very faithful at doing church stuff, of learning how to use faith language only within a church setting. But when it comes into their everyday life, they have difficulty understanding how to translate faith and into their everyday. You know, one of the things that I've noticed about the Gospels is if you read through it, you'll notice with me the majority of Jesus' interaction with his people, with his own disciples, was outside of the synagogue. It was outside of the church. I would probably guess probably 95% of Jesus' interaction with people was in their everyday setting and not in church, not in the synagogue. But for some reason, we kind of turned that around and we've made faith to be primarily engaged in the institution, to be primarily engaged through church programs. And this is when God gave me this grander vision. And the grander vision was this, planting a community where we, what we're focused on is discipleship and learning to follow Jesus in that every day. The same way that we see Jesus encountering people in the Gospels, in their every day, for us to disciple and for us to follow Jesus as a community in our every day as well. But I found that my own desires were betraying me to make a church about gathering as many people as possible and focusing their faith on a day of the week. You see, I believe, this is what I believe about what we should be celebrating and what God wants to celebrate on the second year anniversary. It's to celebrate when ordinary people like you and I are being raised up and releasing them to their respective communities with God's vision for their life. I think that's what God wants to celebrate. God wants, not, doesn't want to celebrate that we're still existing as a community together. What he wants to celebrate is he sees each and every one of you. He says, you are my child that I'm raising up and I'm releasing into your respective communities so that you may live with my vision for your life. And I think that is what we should mark as our victory. That is what we should mark as our celebration together. So today, my, my prayer is that we celebrate God's provision to help disciple. Uh, whether you're young, whether you're adults, no matter whether you're online or in our physical service, that we can celebrate together that God is discipling us. God is leading us to help us to see how he is working in our everyday life. In the past two years, I've learned a lot about church planting and in general about what it means to follow God's vision for my life. So not just God's vision in terms of just faith and the aspect of spirituality, but what is God's vision for my life? And one of the things that I've learned about God's vision in and through this process is that God's vision for our life is always connected with who you are going to be. See, when he gives you a vision, it's not do this mission, right? So that my kingdom just can be built up. 
He gives us a vision because it is directly connected with who he is forming you to be. So as we follow it, he forms us, he prunes us, and he helps us bridge together that disconnect that we have about why we don't feel satisfied in life, why we feel a disconnect with our faith and our everyday. He does this. He gives us vision to help form who we're going to be. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn with me to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. I'll be reading from the NIV. It reads this. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I'll make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. You know, through today's story about Abraham, I want to share with you that the vision that God gave to Abraham, oh, this vision that God gave to Abraham and what we learned from that process, because in the same way for each one of our lives, God wants to give us his vision. He wants to lead our life. And this life is not a vision of just faith, of going to church every Sunday and doing your faith practice on the weekend. He's actually talking about your life in the same way that uh, God was directing Abram's life through a vision and saying, this is why I created you. And this is how your life makes sense in every aspect of your life. He wants to do the same for us. So what can we learn? from the way that God led Abram with a vision during this time. Well, the first point is this, and it's the obvious point that we've been talking about, is who we're going to be, who are we going to be? And when we're thinking about that and we're trying to discern that, we need to understand that who we're going to be is, can only be found in God's vision for our lives. So God gives us vision. This is the first point that I want us to, to, want us to understand. God is the one who gives us vision. But it's important that we understand the difference in the vision that God gives us because there's two types that we can inherit, right? The one type is this. All of us, we can go to church and we can say that we have God's vision, but it's really not God's vision, but it's more of, I want God to help me type of vision, right? So this is not what we're talking about. For Abraham, when we're looking at his life, he was well-established in his life. 
He was rich. He got a great inheritance from his father, Terah. They were doing well in the land of Haran. Haran was actually a metroplex where it was growing and it was really developing at that time. And so if Abraham played his cards right and put his sheep stock in the right places and stuff, he would... Uh, set his, uh, he would set himself for life. He would be doing really well. But what Abram had to understand is that that was more of a, I want God to help me type of vision. He looks at the setting first in his context and he wants God to just simply help him. We need to be very careful for ourselves as well because we have the tendency of making God's vision about my desire. Here's my life. Here's what I'm doing, God bless it, right? So the vision that we seek from God is basically, God, help me. And here's the direction that I'm looking in. And here's generally how I want you to speak to me. And that's all we look for. So whenever we say we want God to give us vision, we really mean, I want God to speak to me in a way that captures my desire. So everything else that God says, we miss because we're only looking for that one vision that matches what I want to build in my life. Now, the second type of vision that God gives us, which Abraham heard, is this. Who does God want me to be type of vision? So no longer are we setting the agenda, but we're allowing God to set the agenda for us. Where God comes to Abraham and doesn't look at Abraham's possession and say, hey, you're doing really well there. Let me help you along with that. No, God comes and he says, Abraham, this is who I want you to be. And that's the sort of vision that we're talking about here that God wants to give to each and every one of us is we need to listen and to be open-minded to what God is calling us to be. See here, what God says to Abraham is a grander vision for his life. Uh, a lot bigger than what he could possibly ask or imagine for himself. Look at verses two to three. God says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Notice that vision there has to do with Abraham's life. We don't see anything spiritual about it. It's about his life. I want your life to be this, where you will be a great nation. You see, Abraham, if he stayed in Haran, all his life is limited by is to be a great man in that city. But what God's vision for Abraham was, I'm going to make you into a great nation where people are blessed because of you. And the reason behind that blessing is God. Is your relationship with me, Abraham. And and through you and all the other nations that come through you, I want your nation to be compared with everyone else where people see what I can do when I live with them and when you become my people. This is the blessing that God wanted to give to Abraham. It's an amazing vision, but it had great risks and a lot of uncertainties. Whenever God gives his vision, it always has great risks and a lot of uncertainty because how old was Abraham at this time? It says he was 75 and he was already doing well, but then suddenly God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Well, how can he be a great nation if both he and his wife, Sarai, are barren? They don't have any children. 
And so for him, that's a big risk. For me to trust you, God, I have to trust that you have to give me something that I don't have. And at this time, it's physically impossible for my wife and I to create for ourselves. You see, when God gives us vision, his vision for us depends on him, not on our ability. It requires faith. See, one of the things that we will be faced with in desiring God's vision for our life is this. Do I prefer to, for God to help me in my established pursuits that seems doable on my part and my qualifications? Or do I allow God to define who he wants me to be? See, based on this passage, when we allow God to define our vision, he makes it clear that following him, it requires faith. It requires trust because a lot of it will be impossible for us to do. See, when we allow God to give us his vision as to who we will be, who he's forming us to be, we notice that he also provides now the second point. And the second point is this, God gives us a direction. He doesn't just give us a vision. The second point is God gives us a direction. Take a look at the first verse, first verse, the end part where God says to him, go where? To the land I will show you. He doesn't make it very specific. He just says, here's that end place where I'm going to lead you. And in this place, I'm going to work out this vision for your life. He always gives us a general direction to follow. You see, it is a general direction towards a specific vision. So he's not just saying it's everything's just gray and we don't know where we're going. He's saying, here's the definitive vision, but here's the overall direction that you need to be headed in. That overall general direction, it allows us to say no to a lot of things. And that's why God gives Abraham that general direction. Go that way. Don't stay here. That's his overall direction. See, what God was telling him is the direction is over there. It's not here. What he means that is this. Here is where you're comfortable and you don't, and you don't require faith. Here is your status quo where your expertise lies. Here is where you control your own changes and limit God's work in your life. He says, don't stay here. Go over there because over there, I'm going to work out my plans for your life because you hold to me and I will answer you. Notice that the vision that God has for Abraham is bigger than his current setting. It's bigger than his current city. It's too small to contain. And unless Abraham goes over there to a bigger land where he'll be created into a nation, God cannot work out his vision here because it is too restricting. Another thing that we learn about this direction that God gives to Abraham is this. It's a faith over fear type of direction. It's not just a general direction. It's a faith over fear type of direction. See, the way that God was pointing, it required faith. And his faith had to be stronger 
than his fears. His faith to follow had to be stronger from his fears. You see, this doesn't just come at the beginning where Abraham decides, okay, fine, God, I'll trust you at this point and I will go. It's an ongoing faith over fear type of direction. It what keeps you along that path. You'll notice that even though Abraham passes that first test and he goes, okay, God, if you're calling us, I will go. And he packs up his family and he takes his first step and he goes, that faith response doesn't end there. It continues on. And as it continues on, it prunes us of all these other uh, uh, distractors that keeps us from growing and learning what God wants us to learn about our life. Look at verse 10. Remember, as soon as he gets there to the place where God was telling him, go over there. It's not here. It's over there. As soon as he gets there and with that faithful response, what would you expect Abraham to find when he gets to the land of Canaan? You probably expect, well done, here's a bunch of money, right? Everything's going really well. And bang, 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 Sarah's having all of these kids, right? Like you kind of expect that, right? Where God expects, where we kind of expect God to reward us for our faithfulness. But what he finds in that land where he says, I'm going to make you a great nation in this land. It's going to be incredible. It's going to be awesome. What does he find there? Deadness, emptiness, nothing. It says, there was a famine in the land, and the famine was severe. You know, I kind of felt like that when we planted this church. I went, God, by faith, I'm leaving every security that I have, and I'm going to plant this church, and in faith, you're going to do great things, so I'll follow you, packed on my family, we're going in faith, and I'm trying to be a strong leader, but inside, you know, I'm paddling like a duck because I'm scared like crazy, filled with anxiety, what's it going to be? And then as soon as we start, it's looking good, and I'm feeling confident, but bang, COVID. <laughs> like emptiness, crickets all the time. I'm preaching to a screen. There's no reaction that comes from the screen. And I'm like going, love these black screens all the time. And are we going anywhere? How do people sense? But it felt like famine. And sometimes in our life, that's what it feels like. And as soon as it feels like famine, what was Abraham's response? He leaned on fear, right? He went to Egypt. Oh, there's a place that has food, right? Let's go over there. But no, God wasn't leading to, he says, it's in this land. Why in this land of famine, God? That doesn't make sense. I took that bolts up of faith and it's because of this. He says, because I don't want you to ever say that you succeeded because the land was already rich, right? It was because of me. I provided in that circumstance. The same thing with me. Right? Where I can easily say, oh, it's because my sermons were so great, right? Or my personality was so awesome, right? Or my strategy was like, you know, out of this world that we grew and said, God said, nope, let's shut everything down. Let's go on screen, right? We're in the social media space where you're so uncomfortable, Eddie, right? And you have no language or no ability to really interact with people. In this space, I will let you grow. Why? Because he says, so you can't say, that was other things that I want you to see that it's I that built your life, right? That it's I that's establishing this vision for your life. Brothers and sisters, the same thing with us. Don't get discouraged. If you follow God and you took up all the strength that you could muster and say, okay, I'll follow. 
And then as you follow, all you see is emptiness and famine and it doesn't work out. That doesn't mean God is not with you. God's just reassuring you saying, I'm going to do the work. Remember what he says to Abraham? I will make into a great nation. I will bless you. I will curse those who curse you. God wants to make it clear in our land of emptiness or famine. He's saying, trust me, come to me and I will do that work. The last thing that we, uh, that we notice is not only does it give us a general direction, but also God reveals in certain times the immediate specifics. God reveals to us the immediate specifics that we need to know, what we need to do here and there. So he doesn't just make it like a blank sheet and just say anything, just go in that direction and you figure it out. On the, No, no. He gives us very specific things to do on the way. Look again what he says in verse one. He says specifically, go over there. How? He gives us specifics. You have to leave your country. You have to leave your people and you have to leave your father's household. He gives a very specific call and he says, and land in Canaan. In times of our life, what we'll notice is when we follow God's vision, he doesn't just give us a vision and goes, you guys figure it out on your own. At that time, based on our ability where we're at, God gives us a very specific call that he says, start here, start doing this. And as we start doing that, that's where God continued to work out his grander vision for our life. We don't need to know the full story yet. We don't need to receive the full results yet. God's saying that's for a later time. Your heart, your character, whatever it might be, may not be ready to be able to hear what that next step is, but you're ready now to hear the specifics for what you should be doing now. And that's what God already places for each of our hearts. But the problem is this, how many of us listen to that and trust it? When we look at Abraham, he says, leave your country, check, he did it. Leave your people, check, he did it. And then leave your father's household, mm, two out of three is not bad, right, God? So uh, I'll take Lot with me. <laughs> Right, just in case, because I need, you know, I need to feel like I'm not in this by myself, right? So I'm going to bring Lot with me, right? And then just in case people attack me, I have another family or a household to help, and I'll, I'll just take Lot with me. No. That last one, he doesn't do. You know, a lot of us, when we try to follow God's vision, we're like Abraham. We have certain fears, and because of those fears, we bring certain baggage along with us. It weighs us down because look what happens in Genesis chapter 13. It says, because there, uh, God was blessing Abraham, he was also blessing Lot because he's Lot's with Abraham, but their flocks were growing so much that it began to create tension and discord among those two families. And when that tension and discord is happening, there's just feuding that keeps happening in Abraham rather than focusing on vision is focusing on taking care of all of these fires that keep happening around him. You see, brothers and sisters, this is the number one way of destroying God's vision for our life, that we go, half, uh, we go half-heartedly. We, we take partial steps. And whenever we take partial steps and we don't get rid of the things that God tells us to get rid of, as we are thinking about God's vision, we don't have time for it. Because these things that we should have left behind are continually creating problems for us. 
And these problems are serious. They're things that need to be addressed. And because our attention is on that all the time, we don't have space to see God's vision. And then we start losing hope for God's vision because we don't see it being fulfilled in our life as our life gets busy putting out all of these other distracting fires. See, brothers and sisters, notice that when God calls us and when we start going, we're not just left alone. In verse seven, when he gets to Canaan, God appears to Abraham, reassures him and saying, here's the vision. And Abraham gets that. And notice what happened when finally Abraham realizes that carrying Lot with him was a distraction. And he had to get rid of that. And as soon as he does, look what happens in Genesis 13, 14. It says this, Abraham can hear God again. And God reaffirms, Abraham, I'm going to make you into a great nation. Abraham's able to hear again because he's not feuding over these other things anymore. You know, when I look at our community, and I know that all of you guys have stories that I'm very grateful for, but I'm just going to, you know, pick on one person because I know that she won't get too angry. But for Michaela, when we first started this kind of like church plant, you know, how crazy is it? Like if I told any one of you guys, hey, would you want to meet with me at 5.45 a.m.? And let's do discipleship before work, right? But that's what she did, right? And, and as we're doing this in that kind of space, we're trying to, trying to figure out, and I'm trying to figure out why are we doing this at this time, right? And I'm not even sure if Michaela's going to join us and her whole, her whole career is not set in Toronto. So why are we doing, but God says, do this, and so we began that and Michaela, she put her heart in into those 5.45 a.m. meetings for six months where we were meeting and going through discipleship together. And over that course of the time, Michaela will probably be able to say, yes, we are doing discipleship. We're, yes, we're just trying to figure out our faith and who God is. And she's trying to reconnect with the God of her past. But what God was doing was instilling a greater vision for her life. Because before that, her vision was limited. Right? Saying, I need to find just another position equal to the one that I had before. But God said, why are you looking for an equal position when you should be looking for now a principal investigator? You become the principal of your lab. And why are you looking for all of these other schools that you know that you can make it in? Why not one of the most prestigious schools that we can find in England or in Europe? And why not Cambridge? Why aren't you going there? And that's the vision that God began to un, un, unpack in our life. But that all started with a very specific call. Meet 5.45 a.m. Why? I don't know. <laughs> it's a crazy time. But as she was faithful with this, it exposes her to know what the next step is for her life. That space for six months gave her place to learn how to trust God so that when God says, apply there, that she has the courage to do so. And as she does, she gets it <laughs> and she goes there. But now in that land, I'm sure uh, Michaela would agree with me. She's like, ah, <laughs> it's really bare. Like, what do I do? My lab is empty. I got to come up with all these grants. There's no money here and I got to develop it. And I've never done this before. And now this is her stage where God's saying, and will reassure her saying, Congratulations for making it here. And I promise, Michaela, the good work that I started in you, I'll continue on. And her call to faithfulness is to continue 
in her relationship with God. Because the next thing that God gives her, again, is these specifics that God will say to her, now do here while you're at Cambridge. You see, brothers and sisters, some of us, we have trouble discerning God's vision because he has already given us specifics, but we haven't been listening. Or number two, we have listened, but partially, and we brought baggage along with us. And because of that baggage, it's holding us back. We're always addressing all of these quarrels, all of these tensions, all of these other kinds of things, because these baggage that we have with us, it keeps raising it up. So this time, as God wants to bless you with his vision, I want us to give us a time to lay down our baggage. For some of you here, you know what that is. You've been holding that with your faith your entire life. And you brought it everywhere that you went. And God is telling you right now, let it go. Let it go. Lay it at his feet. And trust him. Trust that he'll take care of that. So that you can be reminded and reaffirmed of God's vision for your life. So I want to lead us into a time of prayer. If I can just ask if we can play um, just um, um, come to the altar, music on the side. And for the rest of you, wherever you are at, just bow your heads. And you don't need to look too far for the Holy Spirit to speak to you because he already is. You probably already know what that room is. And that room is probably already locked really well. But God's saying, open up that heart. Open up that space. So brothers and sisters, let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much for the love that you have for each and every one of us. I thank you, Father, for this journey that we've been on with you. Where you never give up on us. You give us a vision for life and you ask us to follow because it's the best thing for each and every one of us. May we trust you, Lord. May we follow you, Lord. May we find hope in you. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you both now and forever. Amen.